Allie asked me today, uh, this morning, getting ready, she goes, Dad, well, what are you preaching about? I said, I'm preaching about Jesus. And, and, I, and she asked me, no, no, what, what's the topic? I said, it's Jesus. And I said, you know what, you could ask me that for every single message I ever give, babe. So you could ask me what I'm preaching about, and it's about Jesus. And uh, today we're going to talk about Jesus. But today it's also a big day if you're a basketball fan. Uh, because today there's going to be some teams that make a last-second shot or, or, or miss that shot, and they're going to be, they're going to find themselves on the final bracket for the NCAA tournament. Today's the day that the, the brackets are released. It, it's a big day if you love basketball. But when I think of basketball, I think about a gentleman who was born in, in, in 1910. And this guy was a basketball junkie. He loved basketball. He loved to play basketball. He, he was a phenomenal high school player. In fact, he was an all-stater in Indiana his sophomore, his junior, his senior year. They went to the state finals and won it one of those years while he was uh, in high school. He ended up going to Purdue University where he was a phenomenal basketball player as well, All-American uh, for three years. And, and he finally graduated and decided to play professionally uh, in basketball. And, and, and when he had the opportunity to do that, he went on a streak of 46 games where he made 134 consecutive free throws in a row. I mean, this guy is, a, I mean, that's amazing. If you know anything about basketball, that is amazing to make those in a row in a game. He finally decided, you know what, I'm going to go into coaching. So he went into coaching high school sports. In the midst of that, he, he went to the armed forces, uh, but uh, came back after three years uh, and uh, after serving in World War II and, and, and uh, finished off his 11-year high school career uh, with a 218 and 42 uh, record. Finally decided to take his, take his talents as a coach and AD in Indiana. Indiana State University is what it's called now. And eventually in 1948, he found himself coaching at a university out west, a, a, just a school that, that didn't have much of a program at all. But this guy, he, he was, people said, it was an immediate turnaround of the program when he came out there. An immediate turnaround. And some say that, that uh, well, he, he continued that process from 1948 all the way to when I was born, 1975. And, and he coached there many years. And, and some say uh, that this guy is one of the best coaches of all time in any sport. In fact, he ended his career at that college out west with 620 wins. 620 wins. He found himself winning 10 NCAA tournament championships in 12 years. I mean, that's unbelievable. I'm sure some of you have guessed who this is. Anyone know? John Wooden. And ESPN titled him the greatest coach of the century in any sport. He coached a team to four undefeated seasons. Kentucky's doing that right now, and everyone's making a huge deal of it. 
and, and, and he coached four. He, he won 38 NCAA tournament games in a row. At one point, they won 88 games in a row. John Wooden, he knew how to get his players ready for the game, didn't he? But do you know how he did that? Do you know how he got his players ready to, to defeat all their peers? How he prepared them uh, to, to take care of business? How did he produce all these championships? I'm going to read what a reporter wrote when he was investigating all this. The first day of practice at UCLA was always a day full of anticipation and excitement as the new recruits awaited the arrival of Coach Wooden, known affectionately as the Wizard of Westwood. As they waited, each wondered what the secrets of the game, what strategies for winning would spring forth from the famous coach on day one. Please. Take off your shoes and socks, coach announced to the team, seating himself upon a locker room bench. I'm going to show you the proper way to put them back on. The new players looked at each other in disbelief. Had the old man lost his mind? What on earth did this have to do with basketball? Not wanting to question their leader, they all complied and waited to see what would come next. Now, when you pull on your sock, he said, showing them through example, I want to make sure that there are no wrinkles or gaps as he put on his own socks. Make sure your heel is full seated in the heel of the sock. Run your hand over the toes and make sure it's smooth and, and smooth out any bumpy areas. Then he showed each player how to properly lace their shoes and tie them snugly so that there was no room for the shoe to rub or the sock to bunch up. And as Coach Wooden got up to leave the locker room for the gym, the players behind him were silent, still wondering what their coach could possibly be doing by starting out their season talking about shoes and socks. Here they were, the best schoolboy players in America, and this legend had spent 30 minutes teaching them about shoes and socks. Just then, Coach Wooden would turn around and with a glint in his eye say, that's your first lesson. You see, if there are wrinkles in your socks, or your shoes aren't tied properly, you'll develop blisters. With blisters, you'll miss practice. If you miss practice, you don't play. And if you don't play, we cannot win. If you want to win championships, you must take care of the smallest of details. Coach then walked away, his first practice complete. Well, why in the world would I go and tell you all of these things about Coach Wooden? Well, because we need to get back to the basics of everything that we know about being a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, we, need to, we need to look and examine our own lives and, and find out what are the things that are giving us blisters and, and what are the things that we're not, uh, we should be participating in, we shouldn't be participating in uh, based on God's word. We, we need to look at ourselves as a, as a church, as a, as a body of believers and, and and understand that this life that we live isn't just by ourselves. It's, it's with a team of people, of fellow believers in Jesus Christ. And we need to lift one another up in his name. Paul continues today uh, in, in the letter to Colossians, and he moves from writing to them as individuals last week, and, and this week 
we really move into the group uh, where he's talking to the church and he's talking to, to a group of Christians together. And he, and he wants them to be imitating God. And, and, and like Dave said, I probably don't even need to preach now because we already heard it with the puppets. Great job by the puppeteers there. But if you'll stand with me uh, as we read uh, Colossians 3, and we'll start in verse 12. As we continue in this series. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, compassion of hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful. We're thankful that we can serve you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're thankful uh, that you can encourage us through these words, that you can uh, admonish us, that you can uh, strengthen us. We pray that, Lord, that we will bow our knee to you and, and be willing to listen to your words. I pray, Holy Spirit, that uh, you are in charge. I pray that you can affect our lives this very moment that we will walk out of here uh, people who are confident in, in uh, loving one another and lifting you up, uh, desiring to seek you uh, through your word as it dwells in our hearts. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the first thing we need to do, the first thing we need to do is we need to recognize our own issues, recognize my issues, recognize your issues. We need to look back at, at where we were. Um, and as we look at the third chapter of this letter, we, we see that, that we need to take a stand for things uh, that we continue to allow in our lives. And we talked about this last week, but we try to cover up our mistakes. We, we, we sometimes even blame other people for the mistakes uh, that we're involved with. And, and I think Paul is being blunt because he wants us to not only hear the negative things, but he wants us to respond to those negative things. And in verse 5 through 9, Paul really is speaking some negative things. And we don't do that. We find ourselves uh, in this world like we don't want to talk about the negative stuff. We, everything has to be positive. Everybody has to win. I, I, last year, I was at a fifth and sixth grade uh, boys basketball tournament. And there were four teams in the tournament. And, and we're at our first game, and, and I'm sitting there at uh, front row, and, and, and I could just see over the coach's shoulder, I could see these big old trophies. I'm like, wow, I can't believe they have these big old trophies for this four-team tournament. Eventually, I, I worked my way over there, and I, I took a look at the trophies, and, and, and 
man, that, that first place trophy, it was huge. And the second place trophy, it was just, just a little bit smaller. And just a tiny bit smaller was a third place trophy. And then there was a fourth place trophy that was just as large. You see, everybody's going to win. Everybody gets hardware to take home. And that's the kind of world we're in where everybody wins. We don't like to refer to the negative. We don't like to talk about that. But you know what? We need to teach our kids that there are negative things. We need to teach our kids that sin is real. And, and, and that we need to respond to it. And you know what? We need to do that ourselves. Sometimes we brush that under and, oh, okay, let's not, not talk about that. And sinning is serious business. We discussed that last time about the wrath of God. It's serious business. And, and we always need to be looking back to understand where we have come from, what, what our old self was, and, and what, what those old clothes we keep trying to put back on. And take it serious. And, and, and then we've got to look ahead to see where, where Christ has taken us. But we're not only trying to hear about our sins, but we're supposed to respond to them. Psalm, or Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So what do we need to do? Well, we need to rejoice in our new identity. We have, we have a brand new identity in Jesus Christ when we bow to him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation. That's amazing to think about. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Galatians 2, 20. Anyone here memorize Galatians 2, 20? Galatians 2.20 is my favorite verse. I, I, it was the first one I ever memorized. I remember where I was when I memorized it, laying in a bed at uh, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. We had a Bible camp up there. And I think I was a freshman in college. And, and uh, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live through faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. You see, it's no longer you who live. It's not your old self anymore. But you still live, but it's a brand new body. Because your old body was crucified with Christ. This is awesome to understand when you understand that you have a brand new identity. And, and, and the identity is in Christ. Because of his crucifixion. Paul, Paul says in the opening words of the verses, Put on then. Put on then. You see, when we put off something, when we take something off, we put something else on. And when in our lives, when we get rid of something, we, we need to put something in its place. Whether that's replace it with, with, with something else. Like, like if you're trying to uh, give up drinking pop. Soda for maybe some of you in here. Uh, but... Maybe you're trying to get rid of pop. You know, drink a lot of water or, or whatever. And, 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 and sometimes I, I've done that, and then I find myself going back to pop and drinking even twice as much. And, and, and we need to put other things in its place. And, and basically, I think what Paul's saying is we need to be transformed. We need to be transformed. What does it say in Romans 12? You guys know Romans 12, 1 and 2. We, we, we talked about that at... at our Christian school all the time. Do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed. Colossae is, is going to look different because it, it's talking to everyone here. It, it's going to be a, a different look. It's not going to be like the old one because it's been a, you've got a brand new image now, a brand new bodies, and it's going to look different. Look at the rest of, of verse 12. It says, put on then, but what's it say right after that? As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Man, when I, when I read this, I, I've read this before, but when I started reading this in preparation to bring forth his word, I mean, I was, I was just taken aback. I'm like, I'm like, he's literally taken the words to describe Israel and said, this is who you are now. Isn't that, isn't that great to see? He's, he's highlighting, he, he, remember, he doesn't have chapters and, and, and verses like, like we do, but he's highlighting back on verse 11 that, that there is no Greek, there is no Jew, there is, there is no barbarian. He, he's eliminating all those things. He said, we're one if we love Jesus Christ. We're, we're all now the chosen ones. We were transformed. Going back right. We're, we're changed. We're new people. Our old ways aren't there. And, and, and you're still referred to the God's chosen ones. You're holy and beloved. It doesn't matter if a barbarian bows his knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's chosen. He's holy. He's beloved. If a slave bows his knee, if a prisoner bows his knee, doesn't matter all the heinous situations that he or she might have done. He is now God's chosen. He is now holy. He's beloved. And you know what? Your brothers and sisters sitting around you are chosen, holy, beloved. Look at 1 Peter 2.9, or write that down, and I'll read it to you. It says, but you are chosen race. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. It's so hard for us to comprehend this. It, it, it really is. It, it, it's hard for us to understand that at the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, that you truly, your old body goes away, it's replaced with a new self. That flesh is still there because it's weak. But you have a completely brand new identity. Completely brand new identity. That's hard for us to understand. Uh, logically even to understand. But eventually, our, our whole goal is to be transformed and, and heading towards perfection. Which means we're trying to look like Christ. And, and you know what? Because of all these things, we need to be thankful. We need to be thankful. And what should we be thankful for? 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For the steadfast love endures forever. Paul's reminding the, 
the people, the Colossians, he's reminding them that our thankfulness is coming out of a heart of, of love for the Lord. That's where our thankfulness comes out. When you stop and realize what God has actually done for us, you stop and you start thinking about that and you understand that his, his life that he gave for us and you understand that what he has done to seal our eternity, you're going to be thankful. In Colossians 2, 7, Paul, Paul gives us four characteristics, four characteristics of, of a healthy Christian. He says, be born again, uh, continuously be building up others, increasingly stable in your faith and, and, and understanding who you are as a believer. And, and the fourth one, continuously showing thankfulness. Continuously showing thankfulness. Being thankful is huge. And when we are thankful, our hearts, our hearts are going to be renewed. And, and we're going to begin to imitate Christ because of that thankfulness. And because renewed hearts imitate Christ. And they just do. Paul gives us another list. He's, Paul loves lists, doesn't he? And, and he gives us another list. And, and, and we brought to this point where, where he's, he, he's trying to tell the Colossians... He's trying to say, you are so special. You are so special. Don't you realize that you're special? Not to set you apart and say you're better than other people, but no, you're chosen, you're beloved, you're holy. If I told Allie, Allie's, Allie's here. Allie, that's the second time I'm bringing your name up. Allie's a pretty good volleyball player. She played freshman volleyball this year. And uh, if I told Allie, Allie, you cannot hit that volleyball. You're horrible. Allie, you're horrible at hitting that volleyball. If I just kept building that into her, eventually she probably would start believing it. Right? We could keep going at somebody like that. I, I, just, I went to a movie on Friday night. Dave, you think you had a, a pretty crazy week. On Friday night, I took 13 teenagers to a movie. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> 13 teenagers, and, and we went to a movie. We went and saw uh, Mc, McFarlane USA, uh, and it's about, I, I think that's the name of it, isn't it? McFarland USA or something? And, and uh, it's about these runners uh, in the town of McFarland USA, hence the name. And, and what they do. I don't want to tell too much of it to give it away. It, it's made my number four movie of all time. If you want to know my one through three, you can talk to me later. Uh, but it, it's a phenomenal movie. I, it's a, Disney made it, but a very, very good movie. Uh, and um, in that movie, uh, these boys are starting to get really encouraged by their coach. And I won't give much of it away, but, but the coach tells them, hey, you better start studying for the SAT because you're going to go to college. Well, that was unheard of in this town. No one goes to college in this town. No one even finishes high school, let alone go to college. And, and so, I mean, the kids are excited because they're great runners and, and they're going to go to college. And, and so, so the one kid tells his dad, goes, hey, dad, I think I might go to college after high school. And you see, his dad worked in the field, was a laborer in the field picking. 
his son who was talking to his dad, he was a picker too. He did it before school and after school and after track practice or cross country. And, and, and that his dad's dad, so the grandpa, he also worked in the fields. Everyone worked in the fields in that area. And his dad looked at him and he goes, nobody ever needed a book in the field. You take those books and put them away. And the kid was just belittled. You see, I'm not, I'm not advocating that, that we give false hope to our kids. I'm not telling Allie, Allie, you're going you're gonna to spike the ball the best ever I've ever seen in the world. You're going to jump, and you're going to have a 49-inch vertical jump. I, I'm not telling her necessarily things that are maybe outside of this realm. But you know what? I need to be an encouragement to her. I, I need to lift her up in ways that, that are realistic. And, and I, need to, I, I need to bring forth... Uh, things that, that lift her up. And that's what Paul's doing here is he's trying to encourage these people in Colossae. He's trying to tell them, hey, it's okay. You are, you're now chosen, beloved. You're, you're set apart because you love Jesus Christ. And here are some things that you're going to do because of your new identity. One, you're going to have a compassionate heart. You're going to have a compassionate heart. I always think about uh, the man... I, it's, it seems like you always see a guy holding up a sign, and, and, and he's like, uh, I need, I'm hungry, or my family and I are homeless, and, and stuff like that. And, and we drive past them, and we don't give a second thought, and, and, and we don't think about it. And, um, there, there was a, a person walking in Yorkville the other day, and... and I grabbed a, a quick lunch uh, during my break, and uh, and I was listening to something. I don't know what I was listening to on the radio, and, and I looked at the clock. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I better get back. I usually like to get back where I have 10 minutes uh, at least to just make sure everything's ready to go in the class, in the in the gym, PE teacher. And and I passed this person in the middle of the of, uh, of, of of 34 in, in town and you I could tell they're homeless I could tell that they're carrying all their belongings with them and, and I mean the Holy Spirit was like stop pick them up like it, it, it looked like a total safe situation I was by myself whatever and, and, and take them to wherever they need to go and, and get them some food I didn't I didn't I wish I saw that person again so I could obey the Holy Spirit. I was late in my mind. We do that, right? We, we're late, and, and, and we don't want to do something, or, or it's not safe, or, or, or whatever the situation. I saw this video on Facebook, and maybe you saw it. There's this 13-year-old boy. They set up a situation where this 13-year-old boy was out in, the, in New York, I believe it was, and it was probably November, freezing. He's got short sleeves on. I don't know if he had shorts on or what, but he's freezing, and he's holding a sign, uh, I'm homeless, and, and no one's stopping. They're videotaping this, and he's miked, and but you can't tell that at all. He looks totally homeless, but he's 13. No one's batting an eye. A couple people kind of looked at him, and well, then he gets in this garbage bag, this loose black garbage bag, and and he is cuddled on the ground. And he's truly, legitimately shaking because he's, he's super, super cold. Not to the point where he's going to die. You know, I mean, they had it controlled enough to understand that. But he's, I mean, it looks legit. 
and people are literally almost tripping over him, like annoyed that he's sitting there. Finally, a guy walks up. I think it was 30 minutes. A guy finally walks up. Hey, man. Hey. You can, you can hear him through the mic that they have hidden. You okay, man? Yeah. I, I'm just cold. He goes, you homeless, man? Yeah. I, I, my, my parents left me. And, and so he's like, oh, man, take my coat. Take my coat. And this guy just takes his coat off of him and puts it on the boy. He's like, thanks so much. He's like, I, I know how you feel, man. I'm homeless too. Compassion. Compassion. We don't have that. When, when I'm in Ethiopia, you, we see things like that all the time. And, and I try to tell the people that I'm leading on the missions trip going again in August. I try to tell them, we, we can't, it, it's impossible to help everyone. But you know what? Go to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and to be compassionate to the people. And if the Holy Spirit guides you, by all means, follow through with it. You don't want to be like me and think about that person walking in the middle of the street at Yorkville. Be compassionate. Have a kind heart. Have a kind heart. Do you have a kind heart? Are, are, are you thinking of other people and speaking to them with, with true kindness and, and that you care about them? My brother, who's younger than me, he came to my house several years ago. We, we played basketball, and he was all sweaty and stuff, and, and he lived in Morris, and I was in Oswego, and... and we were going to go grab a bite to eat. And so I said, well, why don't you just shower at my house? Well, I went to my drawer to get him clothes. And the oddest things, the Holy Spirit just nailed me right there and said, give him your best stuff. Because you know what we'd have the tendency to do? And give him the old socks and, and, uh, uh, and give him kind of, you know, the shirt we didn't care about. <laughs> But I was pretty confident, based on historical data, that I wasn't getting anything back. <laughs> and I gave him brand new socks. I gave him one of my best polo shirts. And I gave him nice khaki shorts. Because I was obeying the Holy Spirit to be kind. Are you holding the door for people? I, 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 walk, I was walking in the door at school, this isn't in my notes, so I better not lose my spot. I was walking in the door at school the other day, and I couldn't have been five steps behind this person. And I mean, it was like they were in some emergency situation because they opened that door and opened it like an inch and snuck in and then worked their way in. And I'm like, okay. And, and it's not, it wasn't a big deal. But I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'll hold the door for everybody. I open the door up, and if I saw anyone in the parking lot who was getting out of their car, I just keep standing there. And remember we had all those cold days, and Yorkville kept going to school during those cold days? <laughs> well, I mean, I, so I just stood there so people didn't have to worry about getting their keys. I'm totally trying not to toot my horn. That was the Holy Spirit doing that just because I thought it was the kind thing to do. 
I've seen some people go out and, and, and clean off all the, I don't know, you guys were telling me that in high school, Allie? Someone went out and cleaned all the windshields out, maybe? And, and that's kindness, going out and taking care of people. It, just being cognizant of that. That's what Paul's trying to say is, be kind. Get your heart in a right situation because you are a new creation. Be kind. Be compassionate. And when you're thinking of others, all of a sudden, you start thinking about being humble. It doesn't, it, it starts about you, your, your life, you get a humble life. Uh, Bill read today, Luke 14, 12, maybe 13 and 14. Luke 14, 11, right before that, is, is a verse that I quote to uh, kids all the time, athletes all the time. Humble yourself, you'll be exalted. Exalt yourself, you'll be humbled. I say that all the time. And, and we as men, a lot of times, we need to be reminded of that too. I mean, women too, but, but we like to puff our chest up and, and, and brag about whatever it is. Fill in the blank. If we're chess players, we're the best. If, we're, if we grill up food, we're the best griller in the world we play sports we dominate but we it's hard for us in america to humble ourselves but but we need we need that we need to have a realistic view of ourselves we don't need to belittle ourselves that i don't think that's what it's saying at all but i, I think it's saying humble yourself and think of others humble yourself and think of others i i there's this guy he told me I don't know, it was about eight years ago, I bet. Maybe a little less than that. He said, Phil, I'm making so much money. I'll tell you what, I am making so much money, and I'm making such good moves that in three years I'm going to be a millionaire. Totally. Because I know what I'm doing. And I thought, oh, boy. Oh, boy, here comes the fall. And I didn't wish anything bad on him. I, I don't know. I think he has money issues today. He, he, he's definitely been humbled. When we lift ourselves up so much, we will be humble. Th think about it. Think about what you're doing and what you're proclaiming. Sometimes we make proclamations. We like doing that because then people kind of see us. We make proclamations on social media that we're doing something or, or we did something. We exalt ourselves. But Paul's reminded, hey, be humble. Humble yourself. More about humbleness in a second. But humbleness, someone said, humbleness is the secret ingredient to truly loving yourself. Isn't that interesting to think about? That the real way to love yourself is not to exalt yourself, but to actually humble yourself. Because then you can be comfortable in your own skin. You need to be patient. Be patiently handling everything. This is a tough one. <laughs> this, this is a tough one. Let me go with, with a couple examples. I was a fifth and sixth grade girls basketball coach. The final score in overtime was five to four. <laughs> there were 47 jump balls in the game. Patience. If, if, if you have a kid in driver's ed, <laughs> Allie, this is the hat trick for you. 
<laughs> if you have a kid in driver's ed and they accidentally push the accelerator instead of the brake when they're in front of your house and you might think you're going to go through the front door of the house, patience. <laughs> she did really good except for that one thing. When, when, when you're at a restaurant and you're extremely confident that that waitress is ignoring you and all you want is a refill on that drink because that food is too hot, be patient. When, when your kid does the exact same thing five times, be patient. I am preaching it to myself. I used to, I used to have this amazing ability to be patient about everything. Sherry's clapping. Amen. And, and, and as I've grown older, I've actually lost more patience, which is, which is odd because I've become more mature in my love for Jesus Christ. But sometimes we, 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 we get out of our mode of, of thinking about, hey, you know what? I've got to keep taking this to the Lord. You have five kids in your house. You, you need to have patience. And, and you need to be able to guide people. When, when you're working with kids and you're working with other adults who you think are incompetent at times, you have to be patient. And, and, and Paul's saying, you know what? We have to, you have to be patient with one another because people are going to make mistakes. People aren't going to go to the ability or, or do the things that you think that should be done. Just be patient with them. Care about them along the way. And you know what? This is an interpersonal skill. And all these things that Paul is saying, they're all interpersonal skills. They're, Bill said it, nailed it. He said relationships. That's what it's about. That's why, that's why Paul's saying these. These are the things that build up relationships. It's these interpersonal skills, and, and they're going to be ongoing forever until we're, we're, we're with him. And, and, and if, you, if you take all of these and, and you implement them and you take each one and you, and you take it to, to God and say, help me with these, it is going to remove so many potential difficult situations in your life, you, you won't believe it. But how do we show patience? Two, two ways. First, we've got to hold back. We've got to hold back. Can you imagine... If you're, you've got some people that captured you, and, and, and you're standing there, and literally they're beating you, and you did nothing wrong, literally you did nothing wrong, they're, they're just jealous of you. And you have the ability to make one quick phone call. You, you, you have a, 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 a new Apple Watch or something, and somehow you, you push a button, and, and when you push that button, it calls this army, and they come in and they take care of business. If you have that ability, and you say, you know what? I think it's going to be better for everybody if I don't call them. But go ahead. You can keep beating me. That's what Jesus Christ did. Right? Jesus Christ had the ability to call legions of angels and take care of business. But he said, you know what? No, 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 no. It's best that I go through this. This is the best situation. I'm going to hold on to this. And, and I'm going to do it for you. And I'm going to go through the pain and the suffering because I love you. 
What's it say in Philippians 2? Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He held back. You know what? We have to have a life of forgiveness. We have to have a life of forgiveness. When someone does something wrong against us, I, I, I think about how, how many times should I forgive them? Holy cats, they do it over and over. Well, scripture, remember, Jesus told Peter, Peter's like, how many times should we, should we forgive someone? Seven times? And Jesus said, no. He said, seven times, 70 times. You see, the rabbis, they used to think that was three times, that's it, we're done. In the book of Amos, maybe it's chapter one, it talks about that. But Proverbs talks about forgiving people that, that seven times you'll fail and yet you'll still get up. Genesis, I think, four talks about the seven times 70. What, what, what's his point? His point is that it's about the heart, not the number. Think about this. If your child is 18 months old and they've disobeyed you over 100 times at that point, don't touch that. Come on, honey. Don't touch that. Don't throw that. Don't spit that. What are you going to do? You're going to keep forgiving. You're going to keep training. You're going to keep loving. You're going to keep caring about them. You're going to do it over and over. There is no number. Just like Dave said, who, who would care about the 78-year-old the person in jail? Mom. Moms always, they, they have a great gift of forgiveness, don't they? And, and, and they know how to really take care of that kid. The parable that, that Jesus told Peter, 70 times 7, you guys remember that parable? He, he, right after he, that happened, he told a parable about, about a king. And the king said, he, he brought in all his debtors, and this one guy comes in, and he owes the king 10,000 talents, I think it is. That's 160,000 years of wages. 160,000 years of wages. No chance in the world this guy could ever repay it. And, and, and he, so he's got to be in jail, him and his family, forever, and, until he can repay it. And he said, I plead, I am so sorry, I will repay it. Well, he can't repay it. There's no chance of it. But you know what? Because of his pleading, because of, of the heart of the king, the king says, you're forgiven. You're released. And as he's walking out from the king, he sees somebody else who owes him 100 uh, denarii or whatever. That's, that's 100 days wages. A lot less than 160,000 years of wages. And he says, give me my money. And the guy goes, I, I, I don't have it. I'll, I'll do everything I can to, to work. He goes, get in. You're, in you're, you're being imprisoned until you pay me back. Well, the king found out about it, and what did the king do? He wasn't happy. The king wasn't happy at all. And, and he said, you know what? You're going to prison, and you owe me 160,000 years of wages. Well, what's the point? I think us as believers, we need to be forgiving to one another. 
very loosely forgiving. Being willing to forgive things because people, most of the time, I always, we always talk about this in my family, most of the time people are probably not trying to do something malicious to you. Most of the time. But we take it as that. We think it's horrendous. I can't believe they would do that to me. They're probably not. They're probably not even thinking about it. We need to let things that are sticking in our hearts, that are sticking in our minds, and we need to let them go. And you know what? We need to go to the individual. So if Keith does something that he has no idea he did to me, or, or maybe he does, and I go to him and say, Keith, this is really bothering me. I, this happened and this happened. And Keith might be like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. I am so sorry. And you know what? That's going to make me feel better. Keith didn't even know about it, possibly. But we have a problem with that as Christians, don't we? We'd rather talk about it. or This whole world does, especially the United States. We don't talk about it. But let's just go to the person. Let's have a conversation with them, and we can resolve it. And let's forgive one another over and over and over and over and over, just like Jesus Christ does for us. Because he's forgiven us for a lot. So we can forgive somebody for something small in comparison to that. Well, what ties all of these together? The puppets already stole the thunder. Love. Love is the belt that he puts on and he ties it around all of these things. Put on the belt of love. In fact, it's the only way that we can do any of these things that we've talked about. It's the only true way to do it. Scripture says, and these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. First Peter says, above all, keep, in, keep love, loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Mark 12 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love the neighbor, your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. Did you hear it? Love the Lord, love your neighbor. Romans 13.10 says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love. Love. Well, there's only one way. There's only one possible way you can truly love somebody else. That's if you humbled yourself and you bowed your knee to Jesus Christ. That you say, Jesus, you are everything. And maybe somebody here right now, maybe somebody here right now does not truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we have to stop right here. This is everything. This means everything in your life. Everything. You can't do any of these things with a genuine heart unless you love Jesus Christ. If you give it all to him, say, I am nothing. I need you. It's only because of you. That's how you have, have love. And when you love someone, then you can have compassion for them. When you love someone, you could, you could be kind. When you love someone, you could, you could become humble and think about them above you. When you love someone... You could submit to someone else's needs. When you truly love someone, 
You can find patience with them and bear with one another. And when you love someone, when you truly love them, then you can forgive them. This love is agape love. This is, this is tremendous love. This is absolutely huge. And that's the importance of our life and our lives. But the final thing we need to do is we need to put that robe over the top. There, there's a robe that, that, that covers our, our new clothes and our new body with our, with our belt of love that's tying it all together. We're going to get these three things. We're going to get the peace, the peace of Christ. When you get the peace of Christ, your, your, your decisions will become much easier. Before, you, you, you weren't sure exactly what the right decision was, but when you have the peace of Christ, you, you have the guidance of the Holy Spirit who, who is guiding you through. It, it's kind of like a referee who's, who's looking, in, it, it, uh, uh, looking at the play again and looking at seven different ways and, and helping you make the right decision. He's, you're guided in those decisions. When, when you're in compliance, you and, and, and the Holy Spirit at one, and, and you're at one with another person, as long as it's not going against God's will, you, you've got the peace of Christ. And when this happens, we'll be thankful, just as we discussed in the second point. Second thing is, the second direction that believers should follow is we've got to get into the Word of God. You have to get into the Word of God. There, there was a preacher that came to Helmer when Sherry and I were first married uh, out in Newark uh, at, at a church we went to. And, and this preacher, no matter what message he preached, somehow he'd come back to this. Read the Word! Read the Word! Read the Word! Remember that, babe? I mean, always would say that. And he always said it three times because he knew the emphasis. Read the word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God, one approved, a worker that has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. How do you do this? The next chapter in 2 Timothy says, All scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped with every good work. Read the word. Listen to it. Read it. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. The reading and listening of God's word is one of the most important things you're going to do in your life. It's powerful. It's going to guide you. And this should be done your entire lifetime that you're serving the king. And, and you know what happens when, that, when you do that? When you dig into God's word over and over and over and over and study it and listen to it? Is that you're going to build this huge storehouse of information and wisdom. And that when time comes, you'll be able to go into there and grab something out. My grandpa had this huge shed. He had this huge shed, and, and he was an auctioneer. So he constantly was buying stuff that he didn't need or he just wanted to, to get it off the wagon. 
and, and he stored stuff in there. And if you needed something, you went into my grandpa's shed. And you got it because he had it, whatever it might be. And that's what we need to think about is that we are storing up all this wisdom when we're getting into God's word. And when the word dwells in you richly, when it dwells in you richly, you're, you're going to gain knowledge. And eventually, you're going to show emotion. And that brings us to the last one, praising of Christ. I love that this verse says, thankfulness in our hearts to God. If, if, if they would have turned, if Lisa would have turned my mic on while we were singing, it, it, it would have been brutal. I would have walked up here after listening to Dave, and, and there probably would have been nobody left because you would have heard me singing. I'm a brutal singer. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to proclaim that. Now, I turned my mic off completely, powered up just in case. Um, but I am a brutal singer. I'll tell you what. When I am singing, I'm singing to the Lord. And then it's beautiful. Then it's beautiful. I went to this uh, Promise Keepers. Anyone go to Promise Keepers before? Remember that, Promise Keepers? It was, I went back in the late 90s, early 2000s. They, there were these men conferences. And, and I went to Soldier Field one time where it was it was 650 degrees out, I think, and you're on the field. It was the hottest day I've ever felt. But we went to Indianapolis as well, me and a buddy. And we went to this Promise Keepers. There's 20,000-plus men there, and we're listening to preaching and stuff. But you know what I take away from it in my memory and my thoughts is the singing. We sang worship music together, and when you have 20,000-plus men singing in unison with clarity and with one focus towards the Lord Jesus Christ, holy cat, that is amazing. That is amazing. It, 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 I, there were times where I just stopped singing. I closed my mouth so I could just listen to it, and I thought, this is just a tiny glimpse of heaven. Amazing stuff. And that's what happens when we love Jesus Christ. That's what happens when, we, when we're fellowshipping with one another. We start singing praises. We start singing scripture, spiritual songs, uh, out loud. We're excited about it. And we're joyful about it. Verse 17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If you think about that one verse, it could change your life. It could change your lifestyle. It could change everything about you. One final story. My friend Matt, he's a superintendent at a Christian school in Chicagoland area. But before he was a superintendent, he was a classroom teacher at Aurora Christian. And every year he had to get his room prepared and ready for the year. And he always tried to get his mom or his sister to come help get it ready. He was a high school history and Bible teacher, but they were required to beautify the room and get a bulletin board going, and he hated that stuff. He just wanted to teach. Well, he said, okay, I'm going to make the best bulletin board ever in my classroom. And you know what? It's going to be the last bulletin board I ever make. I'm just going to leave it up. So he had to come up with something genius. 
He, he had to come up with a genius way to do this. So he thought for a while, and, and finally, he got black construction paper. And he put it from top to bottom, left to right. He put co black construction paper. And he thought, oh, he got white construction paper. And with just unbelievable craftsmanship, he started cutting out things in these white construction paper. And the kids walked in to class, and wow, they were amazed at his unbelievable, beautiful bulletin board that he had worked so hard on. It's this black bulletin board, just all black, with in the middle, absolute center, five letters, J. E-S-U-S. When his administrator asked him, that's your bulletin board? He goes, I have nothing else to say. It's all about Jesus. Allie asked me, what are you preaching about? It's about Jesus. That's everything. Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful for who you are. We're thankful for the sacrifice that you gave. We're thankful for your resurrection. We're thankful for the opportunity to even celebrate that coming up. I'm thankful for your word that it could dwell in our hearts. I'm thankful that we could, uh, our hearts could be stirred to be compassionate and kind towards one another and to love one another, to forgive one another. Give us that love that you could only provide, God. And I pray that we could be changed. That we can constantly be changed for you. We love you, Lord Jesus. We give it all to you.